Kim, I just drove all the way to central Alabama to go to their 100th anniversary meeting of the state organization. And when the meeting was over, I got back in my car and I drove the return 890 miles home or so. The entire way, I was intrigued to watch Goldenrod in various stages of blooming or fading, depending on what the case may have been. Well, that makes perfect sense this time of year. You know, I got a phenology chart here for Ohio, and and uh, I'm looking at that, and it says goldenrod should be blooming in September, and bingo. I love the part where you say perfect sense, like you see something <laughs> I don't see. I hope you don't mind talking about this for the next 15 minutes or so, and let's just see how things bloom. Are you okay with I that? I am. All right. Hi. I'm Jim Tew. And I'm Kim Flottam. And we're here at Honeybee Obscura, where our chosen topic of the day is the phenology of the plants that benefit our bees. You are listening to Honeybee Obscura, brought to you by Growing Planet Media, the folks behind Beekeeping Today podcast. Each week on Honeybee Obscura, hosts Kim Flottam and Jim Tu explore the complexities, the beauty, the fun, and the challenges of managing honeybees in today's world. Get ready for an engaging discussion to delight and inform all beekeepers. If you're a long-timer or just starting out, sit back and enjoy the next several minutes as Kim and Jim explore all things honeybees. First off, Kim, what is a phenology chart? All right, well, basically it's a chart that shows when plants bloom on a calendar on a calendar basis, it lays out the whole year, starting in you know January and ending in the end of December, and and it it, it will have it will name a plant, and I'm just looking at one here. Let's say locust, and okay. on this phenology chart, locust begins just begins blooming. It says in the middle of May, and it will taper off almost by the end of June. But it's in full bloom right right at the end of May and the beginning of June. And I've got that for all of the plants, all of the major honey plants in Ohio. And what that does is it gives me a heads up of what to prepare for. What you got to know is how much honey is going to, our locust going to make compared to dandelions or milkweed or any of those things so that you can get your supers on, honey supers on ahead of schedule instead of always being behind the cur- the eight ball and getting them on in time. So this supering thing you're talking about is a honey production procedure. Are we also concerned about swarming and queen replacement in the middle of all this? It, this is a, this phenology chart represents a tool that beekeepers could use and the honey production aspect of their beekeeping enterprise. Well, it does. And and just to back up a half a step, uh, I, I know Ohio has a, has a phenology chart. And in fact, I worked with the people who were, helped produce it back when I was the editor. And we had a phenology garden in the back of our uh, office there. But but every state is going to have something along these lines. Or if, even if your state doesn't, I'm going to bet you can find a state next door, it's going to be close in terms of uh, 
both both temperature and soil type, all of these things affect bloom date, but temperature is going to be primary. North and south is going to be a little bit different. East and west is going to be closer usually. But take a look, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're looking for one in your state, Google phenology chart Ohio and see what you find. Well, you'd, you would Google phenology chart and their particular state, right. wouldn't right. you? Exactly. Because a beekeeper from New Mexico might have a passing interest <laughs> in what we're doing here in Northeast Ohio. But I'll bet you that the plants all through New Mexico and Arizona and their blooming dates are going to be remarkably different than what's here. So it's just a tool, right? It's just an, an almanac in a way, an estimation of blooming it, dates. It, it gives you the ability to look ahead in time. And and you can then say, okay, I'm not going to have to worry too much about adding extra supers for the next two or three weeks because uh, not much is going to be coming in. You take a look at the weather. Is the weather about average? You know, you can do that now. They predict weather ahead of time and temperature ahead of time. And now this thing will tell you, given all of that, about when these, these plants are going to bloom. And it's exactly right. It's a tool. It's one more tool to make life better for the beekeeper and actually better for the bees. Because if you don't get supers on time, they don't have enough room. And you mentioned swarming. Yep. But you're kind of giving me a headache here because I'm trying to think with all of the morass of responsibility that a conscientious beekeeper faces trying to manage their bees. So you want to get the supers on, but you realize that charts like this are just estimations. So while you say, well, I shouldn't have a particular plant blooming for two more weeks, you really still need to keep an ear to the ground, don't you? What if this season is particularly early, particularly dry, particularly wet? Then all of a sudden, the chart is just not going to be much useful to you that year. But over a 30 to 60-year period, it's remarkably useful. So you don't have to worry about it, but in a way, you have to worry about it. Yeah, it's um, you, hit it on the you hit the nail on the head there with it being variable on a on a monthly basis and pretty accurate on an annual basis over years. The gardens that we had in uh, here in Medina, compared to the phenology chart that I was looking at, were dead on in terms of when things started, when they peaked, when they trailed off, and then when they were done. So the, I was looking at the flowers. The flowers that they use aren't particularly... Uh, honeybee flowers, but a lot of them are pollinator. I mean, that's what they're looking for is what flowers are attractive to all pollinators, butterflies and moths and hummingbirds and uh, all of those. And and when do they bloom so that um, it's, a, it's a tool. And, and it, the one that we have was remarkably accurate. Well, a question just popped in my mind that should have popped in my mind before we ever got really into this thing. This phenology chart is not a bee thing. It's a chart that bee people can use. But a phenology chart is a plant thing, isn't it? Well, there's that, too. And, and you know, I know, I, I know some diehard gardeners that will 
plan a garden so that there's always something in bloom. So yeah. Yeah. you'll have bloom earlier, you know, you'll have bulbs coming up, you know, through the snow and you'll have, you'll have uh, asters in the snow next, next fall. Yeah. You see, that's how I justify all the weeds in my yard <laughs> is I'm making preparation for weeds to keep blooming from one season, <laughs> one month to the next so that I've always got a weed blooming somewhere in my yard. Well, well it's. Well, your bees are your just, bees are going to appreciate that. That's for sure. You always got something. Well, I know my my back appreciates it. Well, so most of this, just this chart from Ohio, that has all this information about supering because they relate when the super should go on to when these particular plants are, are in bloom, and we, you know, we know which plants are going to be the major producers. So it's primarily a been modified. It looks to me like that the, what you and I are referring to is a chart, a phenology chart that's been modified to show a lot more beekeeping attributes than a typical phenology chart would show. Am I right or am I wrong? Well, this is this is includes the beekeeping information. It includes the one that we have here in Ohio. Uh, it's been around for quite a while, but it's re still remarkably accurate. It 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 shows the population in a colony, and it shows what the beekeeper should be expecting to do. I mean, if you didn't even go outside and just looked at this chart, this chart would tell you that I, I'm st I overwintered in two deeps, and in April I need to or, or I need to add a third deep uh, for for a brood box, and and then in the beginning of May I need to add my first honey super. In June I add uh, two, and then two more honey supers. You know, so. Because it, it basically it shows the room you'll need to have based on the flowers that are blooming, when the flowers are blooming. I appreciate that. There, are, you know, when you study this thing, when you got nothing else to do and you just sit and look at the, is it impolite to say the tediousness of it? <laughs> I'm expecting new brood in April, May, and June. Well, in fact, there's a dip in May in new brood. And uh, much of the East Coast and the Northeast and the Midwest, there's a dip in May. And then there's a rise again in August, and that's bees predictably getting ready, getting ready for, the you know, the winter bees. But, Kim, I'm surprised to see that this chart clearly shows a significant peak of day-old larvae in October. I didn't, I didn't know that was there. I don't know how to discuss that. While we think about it, can we take a break and let our sponsors say some things to us, and then we'll come back and pick up on why is my bee colony here in the backyard really cranking out some brood in October, just before winter really starts. So, a word from our sponsor. Hey, podcast listeners. Here's what we've been waiting for all year long. It's time to harvest and extract the honey. When you're ready to bottle and sell your crop, head over to BetterBee.com. There you can shop for custom honey labels and glass or plastic honey containers. As your partners in Better Beekeeping, Better Bee does all the work of figuring out the weight each honey container will hold, not just the standard water weight or volume measure. So you can choose from the classics or go bold and different with a great selection of uniquely designed bottles. 
Check out our 50-plus container options and order with confidence at BetterBee.com. Now that you've had some time to think about it, Kim, why is that bump there? Well, one of the things I was thinking about is what you said at the beginning of this this discussion is that you saw goldenrod all the way from Ohio to Alabama. That's a, that is traditionally a big fall crop. And some year last year here in Ohio, it wasn't much of a crop at all. But this year, it's really good. I can I've been smelling goldenrod for three weeks, and I can still smell it strong out, out huh. in my yard. So. One of the things that it's going to influence that is a, a big, a big fall flow, and if you've got a lot of food, even if the days are getting shorter, I'm I'm guessing that, I'm guessing, that the bees are going. Yeah, we got enough food; we can feed all these kids, and it'll give us a bigger winter population. I'm happy with that because after October, it's all over. I guess the question that comes to my mind then is the season ending. Or is the season starting? It seems like the season would start in the spring, new year, you know, new warm weather coming in. But in reality, it's just a circular pattern. This uh, this whole thing just keeps running in a circle, ad infinitum. And it's ironic that you're talking about supering and not supering and getting them on, getting them off. I can be just as late as I want and... <laughs> by hook and a crook, life goes right on out in the bee yard. <laughs> the plants are there, the bees are there, and they do not wait on me to show up with empty supers. So I can use the chart, as you said time and again, as a warning, almost like on my watch, you know, where you set the little alarm that you should be out today putting on supers because you're expecting goldenrod to pop here in the next few weeks or so. Well, you know, the other the other part of this is that I'm going to guess that every phenology chart in every state has, there's some variability to it every year. And a smart beekeeper's out there saying, okay, the chart says this should be blooming from here to here. Is it? Did it start on time? Was it late? Was it early? Did it last as long? Uh, did it quit early? Did it last longer? Just because, if nothing else, to make sure that the microenvironment that your bees are in is conforming to what the chart does. And if you don't have, if your goldenrod starts early but quits early, you know that fall's going to be different than the chart says it's going to be. So good records are going to help and influence yeah. what you do and make sure that the chart you're looking at is is at least close. When you say good records, are those personal records or are those the records that you're getting from the phonology chart? The, those are what I'm watching when I'm driving to town. What, what, okay. They're me watching all the way to Alabama yep. and back. Yeah. And and interestingly, the road that I take to town has is a good example of a lot. There's a lot of variability. There's a lot of different pl uh, bee plants on the road that I take driving to town. I even have alfalfa. There used to be an alfalfa uh, pasture here a long time ago. But they quit growing alfalfa, and they're putting in soybeans now. But there's alfalfa still growing on the edge of that field. So I, I'm driving by. I can see when alfalfa starts to bloom. Okay. So those are your personal records, because what I was sitting here being relieved about is I can use these charts and I can use the the really nicely done records of others 
And just make a quick mental note, but probably not put it on a calendar or anything on when something bloomed or didn't bloom. So this time next year, I'll be looking pretty much at the same time frame here and will be mostly right. It's, uh, it's just, you know, you've said it. It's just a tool. Yep. But it can be useful and it can be, it can enhance uh, the accuracy of, of your management and probably the volume of your harvest and and reduce if not eliminate swarming and help make sure that when you begin to shut down that you're doing it at the right time there isn't still going to be food coming in uh, and you're reducing room uh, at the right time so it's it's a tool but it, it's multi-useful all right well i'm happy with this you know it's part of me wants to say well kim it's just one more thing that I've got to worry with here. But you can worry with it or not. I mean, you can just watch the blooms, and you can just fly by the seat of your pants the way I usually do. So this is not like something where you're graded downward if you don't keep this thing going. It's just there if you should want to do it. We can post this on the Honeybee Obscura webpage for anybody who wants to look at this time-honored calendar, but unless you're in our part of the country, it may or may not mean much to you, but at least you can see what it looks like. Yeah, I, I, I've i been using the same one since I moved here, because when I moved here, this is what existed, and every year I'm, I have a calendar that hangs in my office uh, on, a, on, a, on a nail, and I, I, every year I transfer this to the calendar for the next year, so that... Uh, I've always got it. I, when I pick up my calendar, I pick up this chart. So every time, every day I look at the calendar, I can look at the chart and see, okay, what do I need to do that today, this week, this month? Well, here's a reason to enjoy winter, because as I look at the chart, half of November, all of December, all of January, you can just knock off. I mean, that chart doesn't do anything. That is free time. Go somewhere, read, do something else. Would work because you get those months off according to this calendar chart. And basic, basically, that's that's the name of the game is, you know, you work for nine months and you take three off. Yep. When it picks up in April and May and June and July, you better be on the ball. Well, I enjoy looking at it. You know, if nothing else, it kind of helps me make plans mentally, emotionally, energetically for next year, which... It's not that far from now when you know when you're old as we are. Next spring's just a few months away. Don't worry about it. It'll be here before you yeah. know it. <laughs> and I've gotten half done of what I wanted. Spell phonology. P H E N O L O G Y. If you have an interest in knowing more about the plants in your area, see what's available and the phonology chart department. That's your department of agriculture or wherever. They are useful almanac-type calendars, not just for beekeepers, but for gardeners and anyone else who wants to know more about what those plants are doing. Good advice. Well, I enjoyed talking to you. I didn't know much about it, but you seem to have your thumb on the pulse of this thing. So good job, Kim. Good job. Well, thanks. Like I said, I got involved with the uh, university extension people here a few years back, and we had one out behind a phonology garden out behind the office, and that really got me going um, on using these things. So uh, what I learned there and what I'm looking at here, I still miss supering sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you missed that honey crop, which means you missed extracting it, and then you missed bottling it. I don't see you weeping over those possible missed well, events. That, there's, there's an advantage to that, I guess. Okay. Yeah, this has been yeah. fun, guys. All right. Hey, everybody who listened to this point, thanks for hanging in there. We'll enjoy talking to you again next Thursday. All the best to all of you.